Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about artists, we talk about bands, we talk about music, and this week we talk about The Replacements. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. This is Tyler. And how did everybody feel about listening to The Replacements this week? We'll start with Jared. All right. I wasn't wanting to start, but that's okay. You never do want to start. You always want it to be someone else who starts first. I liked it. I picked it. It was my pick of the the month, pick pick of of the the litter. Um, We originally were going to cover some replacements earlier last year. It was, who was it that we were doing? We were going to do the replacements in the Smiths, I believe. Oh, I thought, okay. That didn't really make us I thought we were doing something, and then you said you were going to put replacements at the end. Like we were doing something that was going to be extra work. It was something specific, but I, I can't don't remember think now. so. We don't do extra work here. Yes, we do. I think no. that's what I we think did we were going to do. Is we were going to we were going to put together the replacements in the Smiths. Well, that would have been that wouldn't that have made sense dumb. really. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know no why sense. that was what the pairing was. That wouldn't have made sense. The replacements. <laughs> that's yeah. wrong show. Wrong you could have just done the Smiths and talked about Johnny Marr and talked about Morrissey. Right. We could still we can still do that. We're, not, we're talking about the replacements this week. That's neither here. But I wanted to pick them. Um. So. I, Caleb, you know, when we did the, we were going to do the two bands, and I said, why don't we just do them for Record Roundtable? And Caleb's like, yeah, we can do that. And so then uh, I got to pick it because I didn't know when it would happen. So, so I picked, picked it. the mats. And yeah, uh, yeah the mats. I, I liked it. I have been a fan of the replacements for years, long time. Uh, my uncles, my two lovely uncles showed the, them to me. Two and, uncles. And Not uh, your uncle. Both, Not my uncle. Both have been on this show, actually. My two lovely Which- uncles. That's and, beautiful. Um, Thank you. Which what? Which iteration of the replacements do you like? All of it? We'll get there. The later. So you like, like the middle. The middle, middle, probably. Middle. Yeah. Tyler, I assume that your favorite is, of course, probably favorite album with Sorry Ma. Is that right? Stink's fun. Stink, that's, that's an fair. EP, correct? Yes, it is that an EP, is an EP, but, it's, but really good. it's okay if it's his favorite. It's really good. He really like Stink. I'm, we can get into that in a moment. You can finish your statement. I just wanted to ask you that. Well, I mean, that's about, I mean, I can get, I'll talk about the rest once we get to it, but yeah. my general beginning thoughts are, you know, that I, I enjoyed it. I was glad I chose it. Yeah. I liked all the songs that I knew I liked. Yeah. And I somewhat discovered songs I hadn't really gone back and listened to. Sure. Because, um, so I, the, I got most of the albums and such from, um, you know, burning them from CDs of my uncles and putting them on my iPod and stuff and years ago. And I've kept a few songs in my current playlist since then, which we'll discuss later as well. But, you know, the stuff that I knew I knew I liked, and then the other stuff, like I said, is, is pretty good too. So, Dax. I'm glad you chose this, Jared. I enjoyed listening to it. I've never listened to it. Like, it wasn't, like, my favorite uh, that we've done by any means. But uh, I, I discovered some things I didn't know about, and uh, I didn't hate it. So you did, learn today. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Did you like what what phase did you like? Uh, towards the middle, I guess. As well, yeah. I didn't like the the second to last album. I think it was 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 alright. I didn't Don't like the last album as much. Yeah. Yeah, towards the middle, that's my sweet spot. 
What's what is middle for y'all? Let it be and Tim is that the middle? I let would say be, please yes. to meet me is still middle. Okay. I yeah. would say please well, to meet yeah, me. Yeah, those still three. Middle. Let it be. I would say that Tim and please to meet me are probably the three. Obviously yeah. the three middle, but I would say that's the sweet spot of their career probably in terms of well, a lot of people. Claim you know, a lot of people do. I'd have to agree with you on that one. That that's the middle point. Yeah, that that's the the sweet spot in their career. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I think that generally that's the consensus. I like stink. Stink's fun. It's not very long. It's nice that it's not very long. Sure. Because it was as long as I don't like the debut that much. Really? No. And I think what I don't like about it is, and this was a question I had for you all, if you want to go into it, is uh, this is they are the beginning of hardcore punk, eighties hardcore punk, right? Really, and they embody that sound. Yeah. So, where, what do y'all think? Do you, in terms of them being part of hardcore punk, you like other like I like Minor Threat more, and I like Dead Kennedys more. I I, I would th- probably choose Dead Kennedys over them, no doubt. I wouldn't. My my thing is is that I wouldn't really put them in hardcore punk because I'm they glad really that had they it. didn't stay doing that. Right. Like the first two, the first album for sure, Stink as well, <coughs> and then a little bit of Hoot Nanny. But I like that they went from punk hardcore punk to alternative rock and introspective rock whatever um i like that they did that because it was more interesting it was the direction paul westerberg wanted to go in right and he was really the driving force of basically everything within the group i would say so yes so like the rest of the band really just wanted to like just mess around and and not really take the thing seriously and paul was the one that brought everything you know together and said right you know we're gonna make this a a, a real group and you know find some kind of success or whatever i mean yeah. he still liked to party and stuff well it's just interesting because well okay that's held by some things i mean the partying isn't even you know hard it, really hardcore punk doesn't have anything to do with partying they really I'm don't not, i'm talking about like fit in it, it i'm talking it really about being grounded within music and being able to find success if you i mean there are like the sex pistols for instance would have they only made one album it's a great album but if they would have been able to not have so much toxicity within the group. Maybe they would have been mm-hmm. the best punk. Well, the group Clash ever. didn't make one album, and look what they did. And the Ramones didn't make one album, and look what they did. And the Dead Kennedys didn't make one album, and they maintained a certain sound. Black Flag maintained a sound, which is older. Black Flag's the oldest, in fact, of you know some of the large. I would and I hardcore would, punk groups. So I it's would just say like, that the replacements almost indefinitely did not maintain a sound. That's what I'm saying. Neither did. Neither did. The Clash. No, Neither I agree. The, the Clash. Ramones. The Clash really are. Uh, I think that the Clash and the Replacements are the two parallel groups that I would say. Well, I'm, what I'm saying out, is that is the one that I think makes the most sense to pair them with because of the fact that they have similar, not not even similar sounds, but like have a similar style of really not having the same sound on any album that they make. Yeah. Well, they all changed. People don't notice it with Ramones. Into the Century was a pop album that's produced by Phil Spector. Mm-hmm. Going into the '80s, they made alternative rock. Ramones made alternative rock, and like this is a shift that that was kind of common. I just think, and then I'm just saying, like no one is doomed to sit in that sound. Black Flag did it. Dead Kennedys kind of, but Dead Kennedys had their own their own kind of sound that was a little different anyway. Minor Threat only lasted briefly. Like a lot of these bands are brief with, and if they do something else, they do something else. If not, they switch sounds. So I don't, but you know. I think that I one, think it, I I think that's a good part of their career too because I think that as a hardcore punk band they weren't they didn't do themselves justice. Sure, but I do think that the that is a difficult thing for me when looking at the replacements is that when I think of the replacements 
I don't think of them as a punk band. But the problem was was that whenever you look at almost any one of their albums, it was still categorized as punk, uh, almost, like right. almost without fail. Well, because when Let It Be mean? only has one, two, maybe three punk songs on right. it. If you look at a, an album like even Tim and Please to Meet Me have almost virtually no punk songs on them. No. There's punk influence, almost post-punk influence on Please to Meet Me. Tim is almost a blues alternative rock album. Yeah. And if you look at their last two albums, all semblance of punk is gone. So on yeah. five of their seven albums, you don't get almost any punk. So yeah. why do people classify well, their replacements as a punk band? Because it's important to remember that if if Talking Heads didn't create New Wave, they would have been called punk. That's true. Okay, so the punk movement, especially in the 70s, which, you know, that's where they're coming out of. You know what I'm saying? That's where these bands are coming out of was made up of like all it was all DIY it could have been anyone Blondie was you know what I mean before they're mostly pop but Blondie played with punk bands right you know Talking Heads Blondie Ramones all played at CBGB at the same time and they kind of blew up with all of that stuff so it makes like people don't know what to call it now we have a different much different view right but at the time they probably still was considered punk it was just more of a scene than like a sound yeah sure yeah I would agree with that it's, it's one of those things where now it's so easy to blend genres and do whatever the hell you want with a genre when then it was hard to, to come out of a genre. Yeah. It was hard to push away from something. It, it, making an album like Let It Be as a punk band was probably very difficult. Like to if, if, if Westenberg were to go into a studio and say, I want to do a song called Androgynous and then sat down on the piano and did what he did, like... I'm sure most record producers would say that's not the replacements. You can't right. do that. You can't put that out. Like yeah, but it didn't matter. I mean, they all were changing in that time too. They all were changing, and you had pockets of places. So, I think it. I think that. I mean, it's still. If you if you had told me in high school with the punk person that I was that you listened to replacements, I would not have made fun of you. You know. Unlike everyone else who I made high fun school, of. High school, you're safe. Yeah. The bully, Tyler. Watch out, <laughs> music snob. <laughs> He's not gonna get you in the hallway this week. I like punk. Taking, I like taking back Sunday. Okay, close. I like Fallout Boy. All right, just sit in, sit in the closet. Every time we talk about punk, up. you talk about the same damn thing. Well, I'm still, I'm still, I've been hurt by it since I was 14 years old. <laughs> Everybody, get your drinks hurts. ready. Once he That's, brings up Franz Ferdinand, take a sip. Let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> we're not even really gonna touch it. I was thinking the same. All thing. I'm saying is, for ha I'm 28. For half of my life, I've been angry about it. I mean, why stop now? It's been, yeah, I guess this has been finally your place to voice those it, thoughts. It's probably the thing, I, I'm angry about a lot of things, and it's probably the thing I've been the most angry about the longest. That's fair. So, let's go through some of the albums, because I think The Replacements is one of those bands who justify talking about the albums kind of like as their own entities, because like I said, I really do think that each album has a different sound on it. And I don't know, like, is it a case? Because you said that you like the, the sweet spot of the middle, but is it all of the sweet spot of the middle that you like? Or is it, like, is it a case that you like bits of different albums? I'm just, I want to see, like, where everybody kind of stands. Because for me, I actually really like Sorry Ma. I like parts of Hoot Nanny because I think that they're starting to experiment on Hoot Nanny. Yeah, I think sometimes it works, and I think sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on Hoot Nanny. Yeah, I'm agreed too. Yeah. I like, not all of, but I do enjoy Let It Be the most. 
When I first yeah. listened to that album, I didn't love Let It Be. It didn't resonate with me the same way. But having listened to Sorry Ma and Hoot Nanny and then listening to Let It Be, it gave me a much better perspective on that album. Yeah, Let It Be is my favorite, probably. Mm-hmm. All right, I and got Tim's it. really good. Yeah, too. Are we into? Are we just doing an album like this? Is that what we're doing? I we're am really quickly. About, you can do the uh, same thing. Okay. If well, you want to agree or disagree with me as I'm going, well, if, you're, no, if we're, we're just... into Let It Be, I want to talk about a couple things. Uh, number no, one, be. Um, sure. The song Black Diamond uh-huh. is a Kiss cover. Yeah. Right. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Okay. So play uh, the song Black Diamond by uh, The Replacements real quick. That sounded that sounded kind of familiar. It did sound a little familiar. Hmm. That sounded a little bit like Here Without You by Three Doors Down. A hundred days have made me older since the last time that I saw your pretty face. It's close. The guitar tone is similar. Yeah. I don't it's not an accredited uh sample or Well it uh, couldn't whatever. be because it's not the same notes but it um, or it's not the same chord progression even but uh it was it was on it was on a thing i read very similar tone yeah the tone is similar but tone. it's not the it's not the same notage mm-hmm. so close. you can't you can't it's close it's the, not the same though. the other highlight from the album let it be is the song androgynous which is a great song probably yeah. one of their best songs it's my favorite song it's your oh how about that hey you can finish your thought. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh, it's his favorite song. Let's stop. Look, look, nope, nope. It, nothing else. Everybody gonna... shut up. Don't you it's say very... a word. We gotta play it now. Stop that. Why are you yelling? What, Move what, away from the not mic. To yell? We gotta play it now. There we go. I back. Point up. your Jeez. head away. Also. Did you hear how? That was a lot of echoes. All right, how continue, Jay. Pretty All high. Right. Um, I don't. I don't know what I first. Uh, my first introduction to that song is because there's also a cover by the. Uh, crash test dummies of androgynous and i'm assuming i my first hearing of that is by crash test dummies not knowing is it on god shuffles his feet no it's the one after that okay. it's uh the the ghosts of what is that album called it's on that thing the ghost that haunts that haunt me yeah the ghost that haunt me that's a pretty good album as well it's got some good songs on it but um but yeah, the, my I, I listen to the Crash Test Dummies. That's one of the other influences by uh, my uncle. Um, and I, I mean, that that band is very interesting because everybody only knows. Mm-mm, but they have a really interesting, great career, which we'll discuss next week on Good Band, Bad Band. That's true. We will. But um, they covered, as we as I said, the replacement song, and they both are good covers. Also, Joan Jett covered the song as well. But I think probably the best version is obviously the replacements version, which is way different than kind of anything that you've gotten from them up to this point in their career. Even even in the track of the album, like if you think about the placement of Androgynous on the album, it's really the first time on an album that they sound very different because everything prior to this really maybe maybe we're coming out, but really pretty much everything on I mean, Let It Be up the, to Androgynous it's is in the still middle. In the punk. It's so the the one the song you get prior to this is Tommy Gets His Tonsils Out, which right. is a punk song. Yeah. After that, you have a Kiss cover. 
Yeah. It's it's a it's a very uh, yeah. This is it's right right at the point of hey we're doing punk hey we're doing hey no maybe we're not doing punk so yeah here's androgynous. Here comes Dick. He's wearing a skirt. Here comes Jane. You know she's sporting the chain. Same hair revolution. Same build evolution Tomorrow who's gonna fuss And they love each other so Androgynous Closer than you know I think that that song really is A punk anthem almost In terms, like it's a piano ballad But he's talking about and even a like a goth and alternative last you know like yeah men wearing skirts girls wearing chains things like you know like right he's still that, talking about the, the same things he's things. seen and up to his point you know in in punk music that's what he's seen in his shows and he's speaking right. probably to those fans to say you know i recognize you and here's a song for you kind of you know what i mean right. but it's also probably a little bit past that too of you know um those lifestyles uh even now you know it could be maybe it's a little bit not as politically correct i don't know you know like now as opposed to if you'd write that song now i don't know what you, but you can't go in the past and change a song you know it is what it is and you can either accept it or you know say it's it sucks or whatever it stinks if you will yeah replacing stink so what what is why did you pick that as your favorite song i just like that song a lot I like that part of their career too. Let it be. I think it's really good. I think they start to do something a little bit more interesting there. I, you know, they say. I mean, it is kind of alternative rock, I guess. When you get into it, I don't know what I don't know how I would describe it, but it's it's even. It's weird because, and I think this is one thing that stood out to me about the replacements is that they existed almost exclusively within the eighties. Right. All of their music outside of their final album, which was made in 1990, was made within the 80s. And a lot of what you hear in their music feels pretty 80s yeah. when it comes down to it. It's very based out but of that decade. But in a very decade. certain way, though. But in a very certain way, yeah, absolutely. Where you get a lot of the stuff from Let It Be, it is kind of alternative rock. But it also is almost just 80s music in my mind, yeah, which is, is almost a lot of ways, a lot of things that you hear out of the 80s. I think 80s is probably the most definitive um, decade for music in terms of music sounding like that decade. But the where thing you can is, hear something, you can say, that came out of the it 80s. It doesn't sound like the 80s music that you think of. No. no. no I mean, in terms of like poppy, like you know... Right. Katrina and the Waves. It sounds like, like that, what it know, sounds but... like is it sounds like all the '80s music you know you should be listening to. Mm. I could see that. That's what it sounds like. It's really good. It's not like other '80s music. It's like the stuff you have to dig for a little bit in the '80s. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not. I'm trying to think of a good example of someone else that I would think of. What I'm just blanking on it right now. I mean, like, um, I mean, they they came up at the same time as uh, Husker Du. Yeah, yeah Husker Du. Yeah, that's a good I mean, example. That's the same. Yeah. Um, um, who I honestly Minneapolis is it Minneapolis is that where they're they're both from I think I think so something like that yes Minneapolis because um, the Minneapolis police are at your door oh yeah do you you want to play that song uh play it's it's the earlier. opener to stink yeah play the opener to stink kids don't follow 
Okay, so there is a article that I read that was talking about that that song. Uh-huh. That is an actual you know audio of the police breaking up a party yeah. in Minneapolis uh, at the oh, Harmony really? Building. And if you listen carefully, somebody in the background curses the police officer, and uh, the the. the it is in question, believed to be uh, Dave Perner of Soul Asylum yelling at the police. Hey, oh, really? Hey. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I was That's gonna, pretty... I was gonna say though, like I, because I didn't know the replacements in Husker do had any kind of like, because they had like what a friendly, like they rela- just like a yeah, friendly but also they wrote, kind of rivals. I think they wrote a song about them or something like that. They did. It was um. Well, see, it was, the, I'm pretty sure Husker Du was from St. Paul, so be careful. They're still Minneapolis. I know it's Twin Cities or Minnesota, you know, whatever. They're both. But, it's Twin Cities. Yeah, I was just joking. They definitely had a Husker. They had some. Oh Maybe yeah, like, it is off of Sorry Mall. It's something yeah. to do. Ah uh, yes. Uh, but like I, I think do. they kind of probably played yeah. around the same shows and stuff. I'm Maybe sure they did. Together, I'm sure. There's something really interesting about that music too, because that was a, a, a just a quick Pixie story, which we probably already talked about. Take we did drink. talk about it. Whatever, <laughs> you know when when uh, when Francis and Joey were looking for members for when they when Kim answered the call, that's what they said. You know, needed like Peter Paul and Mary and Husker do. So there's yeah. something very specific about that that type of music that we heard in the '80s, mm-hmm. like in the early to mid '80s, that just laid some type of groundwork for something. That's what I'm saying. Like that stuff. Yeah. You got like not a lot of people were listening to Husker do. No, and that's what I was gonna say is that I it, without knowing that there was a relationship between the replacements and Husker do in any way, shape, or form, in my mind, I would have said we would have in no world ever mentioned Husker no. do on this podcast. But here we are talking. But the about more them. that I talk about, the more I realize that replacements are still punk because that's how all that music feels. Husker yeah. do is still like all of that stuff is still like it's still punk to an extent. It's got it. And that's what, it comes what from a punk from place is almost yeah. the way to put it. Yeah. So, um, is is there anything else you wanted to say about Let It Be specifically? Um, the other thing that they I like read, the Beatles, you know, yeah, I like that the idea of that. Um, is the song Unsatisfied? He wrote that about being unsatisfied with the quality of music that they had written up to that point, and the like, you know, the um, effort that the rest of the band had kind of put in to trying to become successful right because um paul westerberg was a janitor and they found him uh or he found them however that ended up being right and um then he joined the group and and you know took over basically as the leader Mm -hmm. and grounded the rest of them into making you know getting better and stuff actually the i believe the bassist is it tommy Stinson, that's the bassist? Mm, no. Yes, that's correct, because Bob Stinson's the guitarist. Okay. Uh, he dropped out of the 10th grade to tour with them. Yeah, he did. That's very young. It is very young. 16? Pro- yeah, probably. 16, I think, yeah. So, thank you, Jared, by the way, for introducing Tyler's favorite song and then also introducing my favorite song, because my favorite song is Unsatisfied. Oh, how about that? Ooh. I like went through all of their albums 
because the first well, the first time I listened to Let It Be, that was the track that stood out the most to me. And then when I listened to the album again, that was the one once again that stood out the most to me. And so going forward with their albums, I was like, is there a song that I would say is comparable to Unsatisfied from my perspective? And I would say Left of the Dial yes. got close. And Bastards of Young got close. Left of the Dial's good. Yeah. And then Can't, Har- Can't Hardly Wait got close. But I still think that Unsatisfied is their just the, that's the best song that they have made. It's a super, super solid, like eighties alternative rock anthem. And it it speaks a lot it speaks to the the way that he's talking about and how you described his feelings when writing that song. And I think that that's it shows where his thought process was well. So good song. Yeah. Good song. Did anyone find anything out about their thoughts on the Beatles? Because obviously that's uh, the title of that album. But they also had a little Beatles thing go on in Shoot Nanny. Did you notice it? Did you all notice that? The Beatles thing in Hoot Nanny? Yeah. I don't think so, no. You didn't hear the Hoot Nanny? Oh, boy. Well, at the end of Take Me Down to the Hospital. Strawberry Fields. That's pretty cool. That's huh, that is pretty cool. So there you I, go. I somehow did not notice that. Good job, mm-hmm. Tyler. That is yeah, pretty I cool. I, le- I, I listened to the thing. Well, they <laughs> talked about on Hoot Nanny, to go back to that album a little bit, that in studio, they just like, they were just dicking around. Like, they were just doing what they wanted, and they, it was hard to like tame them. When Wasn't they were... it all just like basically almost one take? Yeah. Almost, you know, like. Yeah. Oh and they were just goodness. going, they were That's just going wild. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. I mean, that was still within the punk realm of their time, for sure. And I think that, like, that's why the like they would describe Let It Be as them becoming more mature. More mature. But, yeah. So, what did, you, what did you guys think of Tim to keep going with their albums? We don't always go through all their albums, but I think once, like I said... I really like that album, too. I, I liked a good portion of Tim, but I didn't... I didn't love the bluesy side of things as much as I thought that I would, but I will say if you guys, and this, I think you guys are not going to take kindly to this comment, I'm going to tell you right now. If it was a case that you liked Tim, I feel like you should have liked the Rolling Stones more. Oh, please. I got some Rolling Stones blues vibes off of Tim. I didn't know the Rolling Stones were all that blues. I thought they were country. No, no, no. (laughs) Well, they sounded like it. I just see parallels between Tim, and I could see that they had a little bit of influence from Rolling Stones when they were making that album. You think that the song Waitress in the Sky is kind of like a a nod to to Floyd, Pink Floyd? Maybe. Big gig in the sky, Waitress in the Sky. Could be. I don't know. Things in the Sky, man. I love the song. I think it's not... It's really difficult. I had a hard time deciding. What Bastards my favorite. of Young. I love that song so much. It's, it's a good it's song. Their, it's that article you pulled up earlier this week that said it's their best song, right? Yeah. It is because they great ranked song. they ranked every replacement song mm-hmm. in order and said which was the best songs and yeah Bastards that probably the is their one. best song. It's like it is you know, oh, man, but it's not. I don't think it's my favorite song because it's not the one I come back to the most, but. Mm-hmm. It is one that I, uh, my uncle showed Donnie, uh, who was on the show. He showed me this that song. 
So he showed me the music video, mm-hmm. and the music video is just them. Uh, it's just the, a speaker the, basically the entire time, and they're not even kind of – they didn't really like videos that much, I don't they, think. You don't really get a lot of replacements music videos. Uh, because uh, what what album is The Ledge on? Is that on Please to Meet Me? Yes. On the next album, which we'll talk about in a second, um, they had a video for The Ledge, which mm-hmm. is a – basically not taking a stance on suicide, which I kind of brought up uh, on some other episode. I can't remember when, but Mm -hmm. um, that music video was banned by MTV because, you know, of the suicide basically. Yeah. 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 Which is just kind of a story song, really, you know, you can't, I don't know, you know, but that's another really good song as well. You know? So yeah. The final song on Tim might be my favorite. Mm. I don't know. Regular. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a very, very good song. Any reason why that might be, Mr. Dax? Well, it was on regular show. It was, oh, really? Yeah, let's, it was. Let's, let's play that clip. I don't think I'm going to call it my favorite. Did you listen really up to there. the Against Me cover of that song? I don't think so. It's at the end of the playlist. I skipped over that one. I, listened I, to I, it. I saw it was Against Me, and I was like, mm. You don't like that? That's what you skipped over? Because I skipped over. I didn't skip Kiss. I just started playing. I go, what is this? And I looked, and I go, nope. But it's not your fault. You didn't know. Well, I just gave you an opportunity to know. Is it graduating in then? on the bit? Yes. Which the bit? I mean, you could have looked at it if you would have looked it up the track listing. You would have seen it was written by Paul Stanford. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So and it doesn't. It's the funny thing is none of those three things sound anything like like the Kiss cover sounds no. almost nothing like the it's way replacements better. cover and the beginning like that. Even the guitar part of the replacements doesn't even sound like the guitar part of the Kiss song. No, it so, doesn't. Like, I listen to which is a good thing. The replacement, and then I listen to the three doors down thing, and then I listen oh, to the was... Kiss thing, and it was like none of these guitars sound. I mean, well, other than you know the three doors down, which isn't even really the thing of the right. replacements. It's just kind of uh, this sounds like it's not even like right. probably maybe it's more of a nod than anything. But I just think it's got. I just think that the guitar tone is similar. I think that's what you know. They just had that tone. Here's the regular show thing. You're so smart now. Why don't you go listen to a sad song and figure it out? Whoa, what? Dude, I gotta go. Well, a person can work up a mean, mean thirst After a hard day of nothing much at all The summer's past, it's too late to cut the grass I nice. love that. You don't think it's great. Regular, sh- so I watched a lot of regular show back in the day. I love regular show. Wonderful cartoon on Cartoon Network, and they have had a lot of really good musical moments throughout that show. They make their, they have their own songs because Cartoon Network is very good. Like Dax, you just got the Adventure Time soundtrack, which has a ton of music on it. Mm-hmm. So but like much. Cartoon Network is very smart about their music, and Regular Show is a great example of that. So, you guys think like the '80s is like the decade for sad songs? Because it just seems like, especially like this type People of music. People were real sad. I, well, what man. it made me think about when he said that too was uh, 500 Days of Summer. You guys seen that movie? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they talk about how he had a misunderstanding of British 80s pop music and they have, he listens to Joy Division and The Smiths and it and it just like, and The Cure is a good example as Cure's well. Cure is a great example. And I'm just like, I think 80s is like the period for sad alternative rock music. I can't think of a better example. 
I can't think of a because the nineties the nineties is angry. It's angry, but it's like an apathetic type of sadness, right? Kind of or like you know, just say forget all these people and do my own thing. Right. But the eighties is just like I'm in my room alone and I'm crying every day. I would say I don't. I I'm I'm blanking on the two thousands, but I would say the eighties is sad, nineties is angry, and two thousand tens is pride. I guess so. Two thousands had torn. I had. Some I really love sad that song. stuff. You missed it. We played Porn that. Wasn't in the two thousands. It was yeah. in the nineties. I thought. was that nineties. It was Natalie late. And it was late nineties. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think uh-huh. it, it was either okay. ninety. It could have been two thousand. We played. Had, we played that at trivia. You missed 90s it. Nineties also had Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, which is uh, an an influ- or ha- was influenced by the replacements. John Resnick said that. Uh, the that replacements influenced the, which you can hear that in their early work. Yeah. If you go back to the Goo Goo Dolls, orig- originally were a punk band, mm-hmm. and then they started making more uh, alternative uh, poppy songs, which you know helped their career and such. Yeah. Another group that has cited the replacements as an influence is a group that I like, uh, the Gaslight Anthem. He ah. said, Brian Fallon said that if without the replacements, you wouldn't have the Gaslight Anthem. Oh, Makes man. sense. Mm. If only they weren't for the replacements. <laughs> I knew if I brought this up, you're going to be a dick about it. Well, you just led me in perfectly to say something. I like the replacements, so I can't really say that in all yeah. wholeheartedness. And but. then another group. Uh, uh, wow, well, I was looking at people that like because I was trying to figure out who in who the replacements influenced that I you know like. Oh, well, I have a and whole list for you. Okay, but another one that's in there is the Cribs, which is kind of weird. Ooh, the Cribs, they're good. Yeah. I like the song "Man's Need." That's a great yeah. song. Ooh, yeah, I love that song actually. That's a great album, too. You can't find it. It makes me mad. I'm going to buy it on Discog someday. That's Aww. a really good song. Tyler and Jared getting along for a second. That's That's nice. a good song. It is a good song. The Cribs are fun. Uh, I Which, like the Maccabees, too. I like British indie, like, alt of that period. That's fun. The Streets are another good one. They're, like, rap punk. They're, mm. they're good. Mm. What you got on your list, Tyler? Well, I looked it up because I was like, I'm, I'm pulling from the fans also, like, uh, but it's also because when I was listening to it, because I, I didn't listen to your playlist because what i do and i missed some of the albums and it played into other songs and i started playing built to spill on me mm-hmm. which i'm like oh okay yeah, there you go and on the list is also guided by voices mm-hmm. which makes sense super chunk which is a mm-hmm. built to spill alternative if you will from the same time some mm-hmm. bob mould mm-hmm. dinosaur jr mm-hmm. and lemonheads minutemen and those types of the lemonheads so, also were uh, originally a punk group as well mm-hmm. and then they delved more into alternative rock and even like some of like alternative country-ish i don't know they're interesting well lemonheads is another one that came from uncles yes, yes. So. that's true i love well, that um come on feel the lemonheads is one of my favorite yeah. albums ever it's great i'm wondering if you know we can see that for instance let's i'm gonna draw a i'm gonna draw a timeline mm-hmm. of influence let's do that really quickly sure so i can see pixies who we know are influenced by early 80s as do and the, the melodic stuff of some late 70s people uh, then we've got Nirvana, which we know is heavily based off Pixies in this extent. Mm-hmm. And Nirvana ushers in grunge. Grunge ushers in what we will call today as alternative rock as we know it, which is late 90s into 2000s mm-hmm. era. And all of that, that's like one timeline. Mm-hmm. And where does it come from? And, you know, And another timeline is hardcore punk into post-hardcore into up to the early 90s into... Uh, metalcore and where we see that go to. I really wonder when I look at this list and I think about the bands that are influenced by them potentially, if like the indie that we see in the 90s, like the big golden era indie, that stuff that I've always really liked and that I found when I was young, 
is influenced by this 80s stuff. Mm -hmm. That's where this stuff comes from, from like this weird things that fit into pop. And then that's where it got shifted and melded and came into the late 80s and floated on through with Dinosaur Jr. and with Built to Spill and with uh, Guided by Voices and those types of things. So that's I think that's the timeline that we're on here. And I never really noticed that before. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. Hmm. Thoughts on that? Interesting stuff. I, don't I know. was trying to find, like, I was thinking of more groups now, like current groups that maybe went back and listened. I can even hear a little bit of... Uh, some similarities to like Green Day. Like I don't know if we would have had Dookie had we not had the replacements with that punk stuff. I could I, see that. I could see a little bit of that. Just in terms of like the comic-y um punk stuff mm-hmm. that the replacements did and then like not the alternative rock ness mm-hmm. aspect that much. Acor- but according to High Fidelity, Green Day in reality is influenced by two major bands, the Clash and the British group Stiff Little Fingers. But I mean at the same time, I would say that it's from the movie. It is true. <laughs> Stiff Little Fingers is, though. It's a, it's a real group. They are punk. I would definitely say Replacements ha- had to have listened to The Clash. Oh, yeah. yeah there's undoubtedly. No, there's not a, undoubtedly. There's no world in which The Replacements well, didn't but catch every, some of the music did. of The Well, everyone. of course. All, all, of course. But assume... what I mean is, is that their music, in a lot of ways, came from that. Well, Especially sure. when you get to the next album we're going to talk about, which is Pleased to Meet Me, right. which has like horns on it and shit. I love that. Yeah. It's so cool. I, I think that might be my favorite album by them just because yeah. you get things that you never would have expected. Oh in, yeah. In that. Yeah. I please me is my second favorite for sure. Like that. It, it, it's a really fun album. And the introduction of like horns into their music, it immediately made me think of like the influence of the clash on them. I don't know how you could, I think that that's like, you can't keep that out of your mind. It's mm-hmm. gotta be there all the time. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of the clash. Cause it's, their trajectory is so similar. Very much so. It's yeah. so similar. Yeah. Um, on Pleased to Meet Me, the second track, Alex Chilton, mm-hmm. is uh, written about, well, maybe an homage, what have you, to the lead singer of Big Star. His name mm-hmm. is Alex Chilton. Mm-hmm. And so they just named the song after him. Obviously, uh, an influence on them. Sure, you I'd know, have to say so. Name a song really good after... song. Yep, it was good. My uh, favorite song's off this album. Is it Nightclub Jitters? No. Damn. That's a good song. Nightclub Jitters is a weird song. It is a song. weird song. It's interesting. What's it's, a jazz, it's like a jazz song, mm-hmm. man. It's uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Is it Can't Hardly Wait? Yeah. I should have said that earlier that when be, I mentioned it. That was going to be my favorite also. I was so waiting until we got to the album. I waited. All right, all right. That's fair. Okay. Let's play you, I'll pick something else now. Are you, are you going to pick another one? Oh, hell yeah. I get to pick a new song. Yeah, why not? All right, here's Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> That horn. That's mm-hmm. so good. It's so good. I knew this song before I, I realized it was the replacements from uh, Justin Towns Earl. Yeah, I put that cover in the thing. He it's did. very good. It's good. Uh, that's it... I, fir- I heard that first. Okay. And that might be why it's my favorite because I already knew it going in. But oh, can't hardly so good. can't hardly wait is definitely my favorite from that album. That's mm-hmm. a great song. 
Ah, oh, man. There's some good stuff from The Replacement. Yeah. There is. This is, a, also, this is a good week. Uh-huh. It was. They also put, in uh, 1998, uh, the, an American comedy film by the name of Can't Hardly Wait came out that had uh, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, uh, Ethan Embry, Seth Green's in there. I tried to watch it this week. Really? It has nothing to do with the song other than it's played, I guess, at the end, like it, during the beginning of the credits or whatever. But I wanted to watch it. I've never seen it before. But it's named, you know, like it has some it has to have something to do with the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have named it after the song. Yeah. You, you know, know I also watched something that I thought had something to do with the band. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You mentioned this. You, you actually didn't listen to any of the music this week, right? No, I, I, I just marathoned the cartoon, The Replacements. Um, didn't go well. No. Nothing mm. to do with it. No. Was that a Disney show? I, I know it, it was. Okay. Disney, I know another. This episode sponsored by Disney Plus. Check it out and watch The Mandalorian. No, and once The Mandalorian's no. over, Enough. you can go ahead and unsubscribe because what else is there to watch? Just use the free trial. Idiots. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. At least watch some of the Simpsons. Don't pay for idiot. it. Don't pay for it. There's so much Simpsons. What about unless they pay us? There's so much Simpsons on <coughs> Disney Plus and you're missing Stop. out. This is not. I don't like this. What band. about. No, never mind. What? Let's move on, please. There's a movie called The Replacements, too. There I know. I, it's the first thing that pops up when you look I up know, The Replacements. I know. It's true. Every time I wanted to do research, I was like, stop it. Replacements. I'm yeah, trying to look up The Replacements. Hugh, or Gene Hackman. I almost said Hugh Jackman. So, originally, I would have probably lumped Don't Tell a Soul and All Shook Down together at that point. Like, if we were covering all their albums, those are the two albums that are the most closely resembling as their final two albums, which are... Ultimately, they're two least successful albums. Like, they didn't have the same commercial, critical, or any success, I would say. And they have a very similar sound. But, Dax, didn't you say that you liked the sound off of Don't Tell a Soul? I I liked it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I don't know of, like, a specific thing that I liked more. Mm -hmm. But... It may just be that I was like riding on a high from liking the one before that going into it. You are going right in from Can't Hardly Wait. I thought that was a pretty interesting one. I liked We'll Inherit the Earth. That's kind of a fun song. I I like uh, Talent Show and uh, I'll Be You are both good songs. Man, Um, I just didn't really like I I just didn't like that album that much. You didn't like We'll Inherit the Earth? Both of those albums just, I'll be honest with you, kind of bored me. I was pretty bored with those two albums. The the meaning behind Will and Hair at the Earth? I don't think so. Do you remember it? Not really. It was it was a pretty boring song. Man. Like no, most of it boring. to me just kind of bored me. Talk I don't about, know you let him tell the story. Go ahead. Well, to me it just it was just like leave this is you know Will and Hair at the Earth. Get, stop doing stupid things. Let it be. That's a different. Quit album. doing dumb stuff. The That's it. It felt we a little bit like it felt a little bit like that to me. That song did. But it was well, more just like, isn't it? That's a it's a biblical reference as well. Well, yeah, yes, it you is. Know, so it is a biblical the, reference. What is it? The something the will inherit the meek. The meek no. will inherit the earth. Meek mill. That's correct. Meek mill will inherit the earth. Oh boy. Um, and then, if you want to get into all shook down, that was originally supposed to be a Paul Westerberg solo, solo album, and then the band was like, "Please let us be on it." Yeah, and he said, "Okay." Well, we kind of we glossed over this. I believe it was pleased to meet me where they became a um, just a, a trio. That was where Bob Stinson left. Is that correct? Probably was on pleased pleased to meet me. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Is, and is he the one that went in to uh, join uh, Guns N' Roses? No, that's Tommy. Tommy. Tommy okay. joined Guns N' Roses for a, a decent amount of time, mm-hmm. mostly touring. I think I don't know if he was on 
other, anything other than uh, Chinese democracy, probably, right? I think that's the only one. I'm pretty sure. Because he, yeah, he joined pretty late into it. Mm-hmm. But point being is, is that really, I would say those last two albums are kind of just solo albums from him in my vision anyways. They brought in a new uh, guitarist. Slim Dunlap. Thank you, Slim Dunlap. Boo. I don't, I didn't. You don't like him? Well, there just wasn't a whole lot of in because he didn't. He wasn't on "Please to Meet Me" at all. He came in on "Don't Tell a Soul," if I remember correctly, and he was the guitarist for those last two albums. And I just there just wasn't really any guitar work. There wasn't a lot of instrumental work that just kind of like grabbed my attention from any of that albums. And, and it was really mostly a, a focus on Westerburn almost. Well, it was supposed to be like I said. It was all right. he wrote all the songs. Yeah. Uh, other than. Well, yeah, he wrote all the songs. Um, so, also, Bob Stinson was kicked out in '86. So, Slim Dunlap was on "Please to Meet Me." He was on he "Please was to Meet on Me." Please to Meet Me. Okay, I didn't know he was on it. I thought that it was just so. That means that Tim was just the three of them. Yeah. Okay. I knew that there was an album that did not have. They did not. They did not function as a four piece. That there was just three members that were making the music. Someone say the drummer's name. We haven't said his name yet. We said someone else's name. Excuse me? Chris Mars is the drummer. Okay, cool. We said every replacement member's name now. In uh, 2013, they released an EP, Songs for Slim, which was an EP of benefit uh, Slim Down Life, which was the first thing they had done I, uh, uh, studio-wise since that album came out in 90. Mm-hmm. It had been a long time, and they probably didn't think they ever would, but... They just covered a bunch of songs on it. They covered, um, well, actually, he wrote the the side A, busted up in radio hook word it word hit mm-hmm. two songs that Slim Dunlap wrote, and then the other ones he did. They did a Gordon Lightfoot cover, yeah, good. Uh, Leon Payne, Gordon, and uh, a song by, oh, it's a Broadway song uh, from the musical Gypsy. Everything's coming up roses. That's mm. what they covered. Ooh. Everything's coming up Millhouse. More Simpsons references. Thank you. There you go. No. Uh, did you anybody look at or watch the SNL performance? I tried, but mm-hmm. I couldn't get it to pull up. Oh, I was able to watch some of it. It so they uh, said was it was it sideways, kind of. Yeah. That's, no, it yeah. wasn't. I don't. It wasn't sideways. It was just not full screen. It was like off to the side. Of okay. The screen. But um, it's hard to find it because SNL doesn't like to put their clips on YouTube unless they put their clips well, they're on also banned from SNL because right. of their performance, so right. they don't want you to really see it necessarily. Well, that's lame. Yes, that's I couldn't find a decent video of it. So, so it's like do? how they, they don't want uh, Steven Seagal on any yeah. of their shit because SNL did not like uh, no. the way he performed on that. Well, show they've either. loosened up a little bit with the musical guests now, you can do things, yeah. That's well, true. unless you're Sinead O'Connor, <laughs> oh boy. But um, anyways, on that performance, they did Bast- they did uh, "Kiss Me on the Bus" and then they did uh, "Bastards of Young," mm-hmm. and um, they I guess he swears in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul does, and then also just the it was all kind of messy and stuff. But I think it's more like comparable to when Dylan performed with the punk band mm-hmm. on uh, I think that was Letterman or it something was like Letterman, that. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the, what I got the vibe I got from it. The it wasn't like necessary. He did. It was just like probably the prototypical replacements performance that you would get. Yeah, because they're known. Um, they're known for being a live band that you don't know what you're gonna get. Right. Sometimes you'll get an entire set of cover songs. Yeah. 
And sometimes you'll get them just being like super drunk or really good. You know, you never know. Because uh, I was reading that they've done... Um, it was not uncommon for the group to play entire sets of covers ranging anywhere from Brian Adams' six, uh, Summer of 69, Dusty Springfield, The Look of Love, or Led oh. Zeppelin, Black Dog. Oh. And anything else dusty. in between. A bit dusty. They're, that's wild. That so would also, be pretty crazy. Like to go see them live and for them to just like stumble out drunk and just be like, all right, guys, we're just going to do a bunch of covers. Let's go. And you're like, I, I paid for a replacement's ticket yeah. and I'm getting such a weird well, experience. They said, it's been replaced. It's the been other replaced. thing is the the Pointer Sisters were originally supposed to be performing on that SNL thing, mm-hmm. but they had to drop out like three days before. Mm-hmm. So the replacements were brought in as replacements, as replacements hey. to be on uh, SNL. That's what they thought they were doing when they yeah, brought them in. They yeah, you see, re- what happened was, yeah. was that they, they were actually, and this, of course, the internet existed them but only for uh you know big wigs and hollywood names yeah whatever you want to say so they were using the original google at the time and they which Goog- was they google uh it was google still of course it wasn't but, it wasn't just what it like, was it, it was, was google but it's they not didn't even a e, there was no e on there there was no e it was just google. g-o-o-g-l google 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 so they were googling and they just typed in band replacement and they were like, oh, hey, look at that. It's the movie The Replacements with Keanu Reeves. That's it. <laughs> and they were like, but they scrolled down a little and they're like, oh, okay, we could we could try this, The we Replacements band, I guess. I thought maybe they'd just go, uh, well, they can't perform. Oh, well, we got replacements. Oh, okay, yeah, bring them in. Okay, good. Here they are. Are they, they drunk? It doesn't matter. Um, you know, we that's what's check. weird is this is pre it's pre-Nirvana doing things. Because when, mm. you, when you had Nirvana on your television show, it's just like, you can you do know. whatever you wanted. Yeah, they're just like smashing things and like doing weird stuff. And then you know, he Kurt never sang things the way they were supposed to. Right. And it was mushmouth half the time. So then that became like you can do that now. Yeah. And it took him to do. It took them to do it. So this was before that when they thought you know you, when you come on here you're going to perform real things. Yeah. So uh, the group described their name. He said, or they said, whatever. Uh, like maybe the main act doesn't show, and instead the crowd has to settle for an earful of us dirt bags. It seemed to just sit right with us, accurately describing our collective secondary social esteem. Hmm, it's pretty good. They also nice. had a few different names as well. Do you remember any of them? I they were. Before? I do not. I just know that they have the mats. Like people, the, uh, their fans called them the mats because of place mats. Like they, some people mistakenly called them place mats. Mm. Instead of the replacements, and so the match became a thing. That's the only. They began as Dog Breath. That's Uh a good one. And then I think they called themselves something else, and then the replacements, but maybe not. Hold on, let me let me try something real quick, okay? Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we're covering Dog Breath. No, it doesn't have the same feeling. It no, it doesn't have the same feeling at all. It sits well with me. It does? Oh, yeah. Dog breath sits well with you? Yes. Cool. Good to know. Um, yeah, I don't... There's really nothing... The only thing about All Shook Down, if we'll go back to that just for a moment... Uh-huh. Um, Attitude is an all right song, um, and then oh. the only other thing is that their final song they ever recorded as a band is called The Last. That's pretty... That mm, worked yeah. out all right. Yeah, that they... It's, like the, they were, it's they like the long and winding works. road if they would have allowed they, that. They were called the impediments for a while. Okay, that's what I thought. And, they, and they played a drunken performance without Tommy Stinson at a church hall gig in June of 1980. And then they were banned from the venue. 
yeah, for disorderly behavior. So then after they were banned, they changed their name to the, the replacements. Because they were like, well, if we change your name, they'll let us back in because they yeah. don't even know it's still us. It's uh, not right. the impediments anymore. Oh, yeah, it's, we're the replacements. We're not the – if you yeah. you might have had that band, band, the, the band, band. The impediments, they may have been here. We re, we're replacing them. Right. Oh, please come in. You're, You're welcome. We'll destroy your church once more. <laughs> we'll destroy your church once more. Is there a band called the band? Yes. Yes. Not, but not like, like the band, like they're banned from here. Probably. Why would there be another band called the band? Probably because it wouldn't be spelled Yeah. It's just like the band, but not spelled the same. Yeah. I'm sure there is. Let's see. Yes, there is. Okay. Good. So the guy that English punk new wave from the 70s. So they, you know, it's likely the replacements listened to them. The guy that discovered, helped discover the replacements, uh, Peter Jesperson, was mm-hmm. so, he believed in the band, he helped discover them. He believed in them so much that his partners agreed to fund the recording. But him and virtually everyone he knew had to hand stamp their albums. 10,000 uh, mm-hmm. album white jacket records. Of, this, of Stink. Of Stink, yeah. Because he, he was like, I will, I will stamp them. Yeah. You know, I, I'll do it. I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. We're, we're making this Which, I mean, that's probably... You stink so much, I'm going to stamp every sleeve. That's pretty good. I'm going to stamp these stinky sleeves. Also on Wikipedia, talking about Let It Be, uh, so a, a, a uh, reviewer, Robert Cristal, gave the album a f- A+. And Ooh. somebody decided in Wikipedia to put the first and only A+, Tommy Sinston would receive in his life. What? <laughs> what a petty thing to do on Wikipedia. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Jared, did you ever decide on your uh, your favorite track from the replacements? The mats, if you will. I oh, guess... I have another favorite. Can I play my other favorite? Well, let me oh, play mine yeah. yeah. after Jared's and then yours. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'll I want to play another one too. too. I think I'll pick. Um, Bastards of Young, unless you want to end with that. I probably would end it with that. Okay, then so. pick The Ledge. I like The Ledge as well, quite a bit. Get a lot of songs that I like. It's my pick. Go ahead, Dax. Introduce what you got here. Just play it. No introduction needed. Recommended on that one is Dr. John singing that song. I'm going to have to check that out yeah, later. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Mm, that'd be pretty good. That would Where be was good. that on? That, that, is on a, that is on a Disney tribute album. Uh, there is a lot of interesting stuff on that. Is I it read like the a list. villain one? 
Uh, what what is the title? It, check the I description. It's too it. late. It's gone. Oh, that's a bummer, pal. I know that we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it, and you're going to hate it, Jared, but can anyone guess what Pitchfork's favorite Replacements album is? Well, it's and Let It Be because they gave it a 10. They did give it a 10. Yeah. yeah. And Please to Meet Me got, what, a 9.3? Yep. And But the second highest was Sorry uh, Ma. Sorry Ma, yeah. With a 9.4. Yeah. Bummer. Everybody take a drink. <laughs> I mean. You know I don't, I you know. It aggravates me that you that you characterize it in this way. <clears throat> I don't know. I I understand. Like I mean, to get a pitchfork ten is important in a lot of ways. But I will say that they you it's a, it's an odd thing. If I'm going to talk about pitchfork real quickly, is that pitchfork is willing to hand out tens to classic albums very frequently. They haven't given out a ten for the entirety of 2010s, and obviously nothing for 2020 has received a ten. Yeah. They're not really that willing to give out tens anymore. Pretentious jerks. They go back and and fix their reviews a lot. I've seen yeah. a lot of YouTube videos Sometimes. where people get mad about mm-hmm. you know, various they things. They hate uh, this guy that I watch on YouTube. He, they hate uh, Megan Dia, I guess, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Why do you hate Megan Dia so much?" <laughs> That's funny. It's pretty funny. They hate, Anyways, they hate various people. So uh, the one of the final shows, the the before they came back together, they played their final show at a in Chicago, and uh, the fans refer to it as "It ain't over till the fat roadie plays," ah, because oh each member disappeared during the set, and their roadies took over their places playing. Oh really? Each of they them, were... each of them have a roadie that took over. That's what it says. Yeah. Which roadie was the fat? They one? They got replaced. The replacements <laughs> got replaced. Replaced the replacements. Crazy. Uh, and then uh, I replacements. Got some... The replacement tour. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, there's an album in 2008 by Paul Westerberg called Three O'Clock Reap, and it includes material that was recorded uh, during the Don't Tell a Soul in 1989. The last four songs on that album, Three O'Clock Reap, feature Tom Waits. Oh, really? Ooh. Huh. That's Who pretty cool. Jared's getting all, all those cool. final thoughts here. Hmm. Shotgun of information about the replacements. So uh, the last thing I have written down here as my research for the week. So uh, Paul Wester- Westerberg had worn previous shows uh, or shirts at shows hinting to the outcome of them not touring anymore. Uh-huh. Each shirt had two letters on it, uh, one each on front and back, and ultimately it spelled out, I have always loved you. Now I must whore my past. Nice. Because, I mean, that's kind of like what reunion things are, really. Right. It's like, hey, we're going to go play all these festivals and make a butt ton of money because people yeah. want to see us again, and also uh, we need to make this money. Right. There's no reason, you know. Very few times do artists, once they get to that point of fame, because really, I mean, the replacements are one of the biggest acts to come out of the 80s, you know, that I could think of. Um, and really, when it comes down to it, when you get that big and you call it quits, you don't have to tour an album anymore, really. You don't have to go on a big U.S. tour. You don't have to go across seas to you know cover another country. You don't have to do those things because you're good, mm-hmm. and they're good. You know, yeah. The replacements could sit and twiddle their thumbs and make money off of their albums even today. I mean, Maybe they, if they, they own them. They'd sell, if they, they own them. Wow. They sell tickets to festivals like that because people want to see them, and they're known as an influential band and such. Right, and so Still that helps. That helps the festival with that name. Yeah. And it helps the replacements with that money. They still know what's that up because on that reunion tour, they debuted a song called "Whole Food Blues." Oh. Because huh. you know it's expensive. The oh yeah, 
The uh, the thing I read was talking about how they went in the studio and, and dipped their toes into new music, but really didn't like what they felt, and I don't think they're going to put anything else out. I don't, yeah. Unless they do any, you know, maybe more cover things to help benefit something or whatever. Probably the biggest example currently of a group coming back to do festivals for the sake of potentially money is Rage. Mm. And which yeah. is, that's a very difficult thing for, you know, because people have wanted to see that return for a long time. But the fact that it's like, we're going to play this festival and this festival and this festival, knowing that they're getting paid a lot of money to do it, which it's their own prerogative to do, but it basically negates their entire, like, uh, political stance and such of big money, big whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of, it's very difficult to decipher, you know, how you want to take that decision. Because they, if they're doing it strictly for the sake of we want to, we know people want to see us and such, mm-hmm. then there's no reason to give them no. a hard time. Well, you, I guess, but you should have toured some medium venues. Wow. There are people who are doing that right at the moment, who are, who are touring medium venues. But it would be... It would be incredibly difficult for Rage to be able to do that. The other thing is the scalping Why? and resale ticket thing. Because people are going to buy the ticket for 35 bucks for a, a medium venue, and they're going to resell it for three or $400 to somebody, so the real fan doesn't get it. The bots get the money. Well, there are ways, so if you're there doing are ways it, around it. If you're doing it for a festival, you know that person is buying a festival ticket. And... They're seeing Rage, but they're also seeing all the other bands during that day or weekend, depending on oh, what yes. day they think. And so, like, I mean, not that Rage should really care about this, but you know that, okay, this other group that I like is on this show, then you hopefully Rage will say, while you're here, see White Reaper or whomever is, you know what I mean? Like, you're able to give a little bit of a nudge to somebody that's, sure. I don't know. We're going on a thing. You can bring them on tour with we you. We are going on. Not we. Yeah, you're well, I was talking to you. Yeah, we were talking. It's a wee. I'll let it slide. Let it be, if you will. I'll let it slide. Everybody played their favorite songs and such? I believe so. All right. You want to nip it? You got any more? Does anybody have anything else they want to say about the replacements? Yes. The album The Cruella DeVille Thing was on was Stay Awake, Various Interpretations of Music from Vintage Disney Films, released in 1988. 88 it was. 88. 88 indeed. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks for that. I enjoyed the replacements. I thought it was a good pick. Thought it was a good week. Thought it was some good music. We should cover more bands within this realm. 80s music? No, just like, you know, classics. Cover more 80s. Well, I, I prefer to cover more classic stuff. I've We haven't covered as many. Because really, the replacements is the first time that we've covered a classic since Jackson C. Frank. Which was well, that wasn't, the yeah, end but of we last had two year. months after that that were that were specific. Well, we had one month. We had Metal Month after that. Right. And now we're in that next month. Yeah. So it hasn't been that. And, when, and Christmas It just feels month. like a long time. It's like a long time. It was like a long, long time. Feels well, they had like to be. a long time. I hate that song. Feels like a very long time. You don't like Foreigner? I do. I, hate I foreigner. would know you would hate Foreigner. I hate Foreigner. You I hate like, I like to replace them on this episode. Oh, so boy. let's go. All right. I think that's all I got, personally. All right. I'm glad I got to pick it. Well, you're free to pick it mm-hmm. for now. Speaking of picket, thanks for having me pick it. <laughs> and thanks for listening to this week's episode of Record Roundtable. Check us out on Facebook, 
check out our Patreon if you're interested. And next week we'll be covering Tame Impala. A little different, still pretty good. Worth listening to. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>